Hello everyone and welcome to this special edition of Employment Matters Europe, brought to you by the Employment Law Alliance, the world's largest network of labor employment lawyers from the best law firms around the globe. I'm your host today, Philippe Durand, partner at the Paris law firm Auguste de Bouzy. In this series of podcasts, we will be looking at specific issues affecting businesses and organizations in European countries. Joining us today on the program is Duncan Inverarati, partner at NL Goodbody in Ireland. Duncan, how are you doing today? Philippe, I'm very well. Thanks very much. Listen, we all know that vaccines now are picking up very quickly. Space was quite slow in France to pick up, like in Germany. I don't know about Ireland, but the first question I will have for you, Duncan, is what are the main practical issues that are facing Irish employers at this very time in Ireland? Yes, Philippe. Look, I think we're like a lot of Europe in terms of coping with the return to work concept. We've been disconnected. We've been virtual. We've been distanced since certainly March 2020. So we're going on some 14, 15 months where we've been physically removed by and large from the office. It's not going to be a situation, I think, if we as employers are demanding people to go back to the office. And I think the hearts and minds is, is going to win here rather than any heavy-handed direction. But that said, that, that may become necessary as time goes on. Returning to the office at the moment is not really a priority for government. We have five levels of panic, so I'd like to say, in Ireland, none of which involve a return to the office environment. They're all working from home if you can. And the vast majority of workers in Ireland can do so. I mean, clearly, frontline health workers, manufacturing, retail are not in that category. But if we talk professional services and the like, that they can work from home. But as we vaccinate our population, and Ireland is slowly but surely getting there, probably around 20% of the population is vaccinated now, there is talk amongst business, talk amongst clients about the return to the office, the physical return to the office. And there's a lot of issues which, which are developing as a result of that. People have been removed from the office for quite some time, as I've said. So there's a natural, I think, anxiety. There's mental health issues. There's concerns about catching public transport, concerns about catching COVID, about returning to the office. And I think employers need to be really conscious that there is just a complete altered reality for workers in returning to the office. Some, as I say, have no desire to return. Some can't wait to return. But it's a question of how an employer is going to entice people to come back into the office. Another thing that I think is really important to understand is how has the pandemic affected the culture of an organization? What's the effect of a virtual office been? It's not as if you can drop into your colleague's office. You can't go for a lunch. You can't go for a meal after work. And while we're far more connected than ever before, albeit virtually, we are far more disconnected than we've ever been before. And there's a real challenge, I think, to maintain and to reestablish the culture that we once had in, in, in our organizations. But I think it's something that certainly clients, employers, businesses are really conscious to be able to deal with and, and, and to get people back. So in terms of getting people back, as I say, it's the carrot, not the stick. And I think you deal with the exceptions, not the norm. And those exceptions being those people who don't want to return. And of course, the big elephant in the room that I haven't mentioned yet, but probably the biggest issue about the returning to the office environment are the vaccines and what the impact of vaccines or the impact of not having a vaccine is going to have on the return to the office. You know, for example, what could employers do if employees refuse vaccinations? Can an employer compel an employee to take a vaccination? 
is an employer entitled to know if an employee has been vaccinated? I mean, I think the simple answer to those questions is no, and that's going to be a difficulty. We've survived so long without vaccinations, and for those who are back in the office or back at their workplace, not necessarily an office, without having had a vaccination, I mean, how do you justify forcing someone to have a vaccination when you've been able to cope and get away with it for so long? So they're very interesting issues. And as I say, we are coping with those. It's just a matter of time before they actually come to the fore. And we really have to deal with those issues and, and the return to the office in particular, how we deal with people who are or who are not vaccinated. I think overall, what's really important in terms of return to office is communication. Communication is key to getting people softening up to the idea of a return to the office. So communication such as, you know, we're an office-based organization. I don't know too many organizations where working from home will be exclusively available or appropriate. So as I say, I think communication is key in relation to managing a return to the office. Thank you for that. That's interesting because we are coping basically with very similar issues, Duncan. That was quite interesting. Now, your country, Ireland, is well known for having a diverse international workforce, particularly in the tech and the pharmaceutical industries. And what I was wondering is how are Irish employers, Duncan, dealing with workers who have relocated abroad during the pandemic? And by the way, that's also an issue I've seen several times in France involving UK or Irish citizens. What would be your views on that? Yeah, I mean, Philippe, if you're going to have to work from home during a pandemic, you know, why not go to Greece? <laughs> why not go to France? <laughs> why stay in Ireland in the wet, miserable times that we, we often have? So a lot of people have, have left Ireland and gone either back home because, as I say, they're international workers. They've gone back home to, to family or they've chosen to relocate for, for just a lifestyle choice. And that's not an uncommon proposition. Part of the problem is that employees don't necessarily know that that's what employees have done because you dial into a Zoom call or you work remotely via technological platforms. They don't necessarily know where you are. And unless there was a requirement for employees to tell their employer that they were in fact relocating, often employees haven't, haven't done so. It raises all sorts of issues quite clearly. There's tax issues, particularly when you go to another jurisdiction. Social welfare implications, are you, are you paid up for social welfare purposes? Do you have the correct work visa where you're working? Is there a facility to be able to pay salary to an employee? And so on. So there's some complex issues that, that arise when people relocate. And in answer to your question, let's assume that these employees are working abroad and that there is this move to return to the office. And so how do you get these people who have relocated elsewhere to come back home, when I say home being the the home office or the home location. And again, I think communication is key to this. I do think you need to start to socialize with your workforce that in or around a certain time, and I think in Ireland, we're talking Q4 2021 for some sort of return to work, albeit in a graduated way, to start socializing that with your workforce and to accept that there are people who are where they probably shouldn't be in terms of tax and, and other issues and start to socialize that there will be a requirement to come back to the office. Certainly some clients, some big tech clients, have written to all their employees and told them that you know, there are tax implications if you're out of the country longer than you should be. You know, if you change your tax residency, that's got to be an issue for you. You're totally responsible for that and so on. But also giving an indication that you will be required to come back at, at a certain time. In the event that they don't come back, when they're required to come back to the office, that obviously is going to start to cause issues. 
about continuing employment. The complexity of that, of course, is the fact that people have been doing it and it's been working seamlessly. Their employer may not have known that they're not there. So for an employer then to insist on a return to the office may prove difficult. But I do think it's not the heavy hand, it's the hearts and minds. Let's start slowly, let's start socialising the need to get back and then deal with the exceptions insofar as those who are refusing or can't or won't. But I do think because we have a bit of a, a lead into this, if we do expect to be back in the office in some way in Q4, then I think now is the time to start doing that. You're living all the time in a remote environment and working from home all the time, especially from a social point of view. People will have to socialize in the workplace at some point. You did touch briefly about that point when you were talking about returning to work. I'm pretty sure the Irish government is doing something to support employees, to help them, assist them returning to work. What sort of measures are being put in place, if any, by the Irish government at the moment? Yeah, it's been such a disruptor, the pandemic, and sending people home. Our world's changed dramatically in March 2020, and it was such a disruption to society and the way in which we worked. And a consequence of that has been people have become used to not being in an office. People have become used to working remotely. So it creates a whole lot of social discussion, particularly at government level, with trade unions, with employer bodies. And that social discussion is between trying to get people back to work, but recognizing that people are different and people will do work differently moving forward, whether it be the short, medium or long term, who knows, but that there will be a change. And that in recognition of that change, that the government needs to offer certain supports. So what the government in Ireland has done, and there's two big issues really in terms of working from home and, and the way the work will look in the future. And the first is the government is going to introduce a right to remote working. So it sounds great. A right would suggest you have a right to remotely work. It's not quite that simple, but they're introducing a right to remote working. And currently at the moment in Ireland, we're going through a consultation phase as to what that might look like. So again, we've got the social partners, employers, trade unions, government contributing to this debate. And where it's probably going to land is that an employee can ask to work remotely which means you could work full-time, of course, but not always in the office. And where it's going to land is the employer has to demonstrate a genuine and, and adequate consideration of the request. So it's not, you don't have to agree with it, but you've got to demonstrate that you've adequately considered it, that there is a recognition, there's a balance of interest between an employer's requirements and an employee's personal needs. And if you're not going to provide a right to remote work for an individual the employer has to provide objective business reasons as to why they are going to refuse the request. It also involves requests to live outside commutable distance and not just abroad. So in Donegal in Ireland, which is on the Western seaboard, clearly not commutable distance, but are they going to be allowed to work in Donegal and come to the office as and when necessary, which is quite a physical distance, but those sorts of issues. Decentralization of the workforce is, is really what this is about. So as I say, there's a consultation paper out on that at the moment, and we'll see where that lands. The other big issue is the right to disconnect. And Philippe, I'm well aware in France that you have been touting that for quite some time and perhaps the rest of us catching up. But there is a right to disconnect, and we now have a code of practice on the right of disconnect. Now, again, while that sounds fantastic, it probably is more just a restatement of the current law. And it's things like you have a right not to work routinely outside of normal working hours. So 
a right to turn off your machine, you know, a right not to be penalized for refusing to work outside normal hours, and that an employer's got a duty of respect in relation to a right to disconnect. And other workers have got a duty to respect a right to disconnect. And we had a case in Ireland where an employee took a working time case successfully because she was checking emails at night. And the case basically is a proposition for the fact that an employer has to help an employee help themselves by not just not requiring them, but preventing them from being able to access emails after hours. And Philippe, I don't know about you, but you know, certainly the working from home experience, there is a complete blur and there's a lack of distinction between home and the office. You, know, you get up in the morning, you walk down the corridor, you're at your desk. You don't have a bridge between home and the office, like in the car or in the, in the metro or on, on the bus, where you can effectively turn off and then turn on again when you get into the office. And that, to my mind, is, is a significant difference between the way in which we did work and the way in which we're working at the moment. And the government is conscious of that and is trying to deal with that. Yeah, this blur you're talking about is certainly, at least for me, uh, a source of concern. And the right to disconnect is interesting because I heard about the Irish situation recently through one of your colleagues, and I was surprised that this issue was coming up in other EU jurisdictions. And to my knowledge, only Ireland and France so far, there might be other countries are, are coping with that issue. You were talking earlier on, Duncan, about future cultural changes, disruption in the way we work on a daily basis. How do you see the future of work in Ireland? That's a really good question, Philippe, and one where there's no definitive answer. And I'm sure the future of work in Ireland may not be fundamentally different to the future of work in France or Philadelphia or wherever you are. I do think it's important to recognize that we are the COVID generation. So we who have lived through this are the COVID generation. It's not age-related. It's time-based. It's the time we live in. And we are all affected in our own particular way. Now, we're all affected differently. So my kids are going to be affected differently to how I've been affected. The way in which they go to school, the way in which they are educated is different. The way in which I work is different. But it is all different. And it's been, as I've said before, a massive disruptor for us all. Insofar as the future of work, I think that the, you know, the immediate reaction, and it's, it's almost overused now, about this hybrid working model, that there will be working from home and working in the office now, whatever that means. There are surveys to beat surveys about what people want to do. And I think it's overwhelmingly people want a hybrid type arrangement where that's possible. Clearly, again, health workers, you can't have a surgeon working from home or similar type professions. So where it's available that there will be a genuine and an absolute desire to, to work from home and work remotely if possible. I think though, I think with the younger generation, I, I think they'll want to go back to the face-to-face. I know in our firm and in our profession, Philippe, junior lawyers learn a lot from being in the office and, and would feel quite disconnected and quite isolated. And there would be a lack of learning. And I think you could, you could say that for any professional services business. I think ultimately we will go back to the norm. I think in the short to medium term, it's a great idea. Everybody's going to want to work from home. They've set up their home office. They may may have invested money in a home office. They've got used to it. They've got used to taking the kids to school. They've got used to being at home for dinner that they weren't before. But I do think that over time, as the younger generation washed through to become the older generation like you and I, Philippe, that will be back to normal. We'll be back to what we were in 2019. So I think this, this working from home concept and the, the future of work 
to some extent is is probably a short to medium term issue. So I think it's sort of the next three to five years. You have to see things change. You have to see travel back, business travel back, and so on before I think there'll be real changes. And what I say, real changes, real changes to back to where we were. But I certainly think for the short to medium term that employers have to be agile. They have to be flexible. As I said, the Irish government are introducing provisions to make employers and to allow employees to be agile and flexible. So it's probably not an answer to your question, Philippe, as to what the future of work looks like in Ireland. The simple answer is I don't know, but it's going to be a mixture of a whole bunch of things. Yeah, I'm afraid I would share the same uh, <laughs> lack of exact knowledge about the future, uh, Duncan, like you. We are certainly going through uh, uncertain times. But let me finish, Duncan, with a, a final question, and just to be maybe uh, a bit more positive about the whole uh, situation. What would you say the benefits uh, that we should take away from this lockdown situation from an employment law perspective? Philippe, I think, again, this is just it's an opinion. A lot of what I've said is opinion, and, and people may not share my opinion. But, but I think we really should think about what the benefits. When we all sit down over a lovely glass of Burgundy, Philippe, and contemplate what this has all been about, <laughs> that I think we debrief and we think about what, what have the positives been? What are the takeaways that we can bank and use moving forward even when we're back in the office. I think things like technology, I mean, clearly we have all become so technologically literate and technologically advanced over the pandemic. You know, the fact that we can do this, you're sitting elsewhere in Europe, I'm in Dublin and we can have this chat and it's hopefully seamless. That sort of thing. We can look at each other on the screen and we can have a chat. We can talk to colleagues all around the world, time differences notwithstanding, that sort of stuff. And the fact that the technology has got so much better that you don't have the difficulties that we would have traditionally had before. So I think that's a tremendous thing. The way from a legal profession, the courts have developed, the way courts have dealt with, with remote hearings, the way courts are now allowing you to file your, your papers with the court. I think that's a really good thing. So really, they're, they're things that we need to take as benefits and let's use those and let's use that as a springboard in terms of moving forward. I think on the softer areas, I think the pandemic has taught us knowing the possible, knowing what is possible, knowing that if there is a pandemic, hundreds of people can relocate from a business in a matter of days. I think it's taught us resilience, which is kind of related to that as well. It's taught us to be more aware of our fellow people, of our colleagues, and, and helping people through these types of situations. I think it's taught us forbearance, that we have to be not just resilient, but we have to show forbearance for the way in which we work. The classic being, you know, when you, you're, you're on a Zoom call with, with a client or, or customers and kids are running in the background or there's a noise or there's a courier at the front door. And almost without exception, people say, that's fine, go and get the courier because it's so exciting to have someone at the front door. Like people are are becoming more tolerant of things that perhaps they would have been less tolerant before. And of course, things like spending time with the family for those who are blessed to have family. To spend time with the family, it's going to be odd to, to go back to the office. To have dinner with your family is kind of unique in a, in a number of ways. But those things, have, I think let's take that as a positive. Sure, there's negatives, and we've talked a lot about the negatives, but let's not just talk negatives. Let's consider the positives, and maybe we can finish on a, on a more positive note. And if you would like to connect with the Duncan Inderariti or any of our lawyers around the world, please search for them on the ELA website at ela.law 
where you can sign up to receive white papers and on-demand content, receive invitation as well for upcoming webinars, also access the ELA's exclusive global employer handbook. You've been listening to Employment Matters Europe, a podcast brought to you by the Employment Law Alliance, the world's largest network of labor and employment lawyers from the best law firms around the globe. I'm Philippe Durand, and thank you for listening today.